Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Palestine Remembered on 3CR 855 on the radio, where I'm joined with Yusuf, Nasser, and myself, Robert Martin. Please enjoy the show. And uh, we would like to welcome all listeners on the AM dial and those who will join us later on the website 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. In today's episode, we will be talking about apartheid uh, and the reality of segregation and separation in Palestine. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. So today, listeners, we thought we'd talk about apartheid because we um, often refer to it in our shows and Palestinian advocates all over the world talk about the the reality of uh, two legal systems. So in the first instance, what we want to do is just give a definition to apartheid to give um, some clarity about it. And everybody's heard the term, and it takes us back to a sort of a brutal ugliness that was South African apartheid. And in Afrikaans, the word means separateness, or a policy or system of segregation, discrimination on the grounds of race, as we know. As we know. Now, in 1990, Nelson Mandela was re- released from prison after 27 years there. Apartheid was dismantled in 1993 to 1993, and elections in 1994 where black South Africans were first given uh, the vote. Part of apartheid and understanding it is to give it some sort of legal con- uh, context so that we can talk about it in an ethical uh, context first and later on we'll have a discussion generally about the moral uh, situation with respect to apartheid in Palestine. Apartheid is prohibited as a crime against humanity in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court and it defines apartheid as inhuman acts committed in the context of an institutionalized regime of systematic oppression and domination by one racial group over any other racial group or groups and committed with the intention of maintaining that regime. Apartheid is also outlawed in the 1977 additional protocol of the Geneva Conventions of 1949, where it is described as a grave breach. And importantly, in the words of a legal scholar, John Dugard, who a previous guest of ours, it is without geographical limitation. Earlier than this, in 1973, the United Nations General Assembly adopted the International Convention on the Suppression and Punishment of the Crime of Apartheid. The definition includes any legislative measures and any other measures calculated to prevent a racial group or groups from participation in political, social, economic and cultural life of the country, including the right to leave and return to their country, the right to nationality, the right to freedom and movement, and residence. The definition also includes the expropriation of landed property belonging to that racial group. And finally, the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination of 1969, which Israel itself ratified in 1979, a condemnation of racial segregation and apartheid, and obliges states, parties, to prevent, prohibit, and eradicate all practices of this nature in territories under their jurisdiction. In 1995, the UN Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination clarified while the reference to apartheid originated with South Africa, 
the article, as adopted, prohibits all forms of racial segregation in all countries. Um, Thanks, Nasser, for this uh, thorough and accurate uh, context of apartheid. It is, of course, a foreign word that made it into English dictionaries and even Arabic dictionaries because of the continued work of Israel. We thought that apartheid came to an end by the collapse of the uh, Pretoria government, mm-hmm. but Israel uh, made it even worse, yeah. I would say, I, and, and and that's not my own opinion. I think the you, you cannot have more accurate voices on apartheid than the voices of South Africans, who actually witnessed and lived it for centuries. Um, and they say that what they saw in Palestine was worse. Well, the, the, the actual quote, um, Yusuf, that you're, you're going to reach for is a South African anti, anti-apartheid campaigner Desmond Tutu. In 2002, so we're talking 14 years ago, 14 years better, 14 years, uh, three Gaza wars pre-siege just after Oslo, when Desmond Tutu came back to South Africa after a trip in 2002, he said, so much of what happened to us black people happens in South Africa happens there. Mm. And it's not just the opponents of apartheid that talk about that. In 1961, South African Prime Minister Henrik Verwoerd stated... The Jews took Israel from the Arabs after the Arabs had lived there for thousands of years. Israel, like South Africa, is an apartheid state. Mm. Now, we talk about apartheid in, in Israel, and, and Israel was established in 1948. 90% of the Palestinians who'd been inside its borders were ethnically cleansed from their homes and prevented from returning. Mm. To this day, millions of Palestinians are denied their access to their homeland, their lands, their properties, and that land was expro- expropriated for the sole reason as because they weren't Jewish. Hmm. We talk about you know the definition being that racial segregation. It's, it's a religious segregation. And um, on top of that, the United Nations uh, in 1975 uh, issued a General Assembly Resolution number 3379 where it was adopted in 1975 that um, Zionism is a form of racism. And that's a UN resolution. Of course, later uh, Israel lobbied the world and uh, put pressure for the UN resolution to be um, taken. Uh, however, I would say that this this, this didn't come without, uh, of course, the uh, the work of PLO in the 70s and the world recognition of what it actually means to live under occupation. And that's why it's directly related to the Zionist ideology of colonization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, since its establishment, you know, Israel has systematically discriminated against its Palestinian citizens. You know, 50 uh, of the 69 years of its existence, mm. Israel has uh, occupied foreign land, Palestinian land. Um, the, the, the Palestinians in the West Bank have had the most brutal of military occupations. Mm. And we talk about that. We also shouldn't forget that the Palestinians of Israel, yeah, mm. who themselves from 1948 to 1966 were governed under martial law. Military law, they weren't, uh, people, they weren't part of civil law. People tend to drop this point or to forget that uh, the Arab Israelis or the Palestinians uh, in Israel, uh, when it comes to referring to them, they will say, oh, these, these, are, these are equal citizens of Israel, yeah. and they give credit to the democratic state or entity, yeah, forgetting that the lead, of course, even their current situation is uh, a joke to say that they are giving the same rights. Uh, but like you said, they were under martial laws for the first 
nearly two decades. Two decades. Well, in the democracy that is Israel, 50% of Israeli towns have residential admission committees, which according to Human Rights Watch, their job is to fill out applicants on the grounds of incompatibility with the social and cultural fabric. These committees used to exclude Arabs from living in rural Jewish communities. Now, these are the Palestinian citizens of Israel, let alone the Palestinian Bedouins of the Nakab Nekev. It's even worse for them. Unrecognized villages. Do do you want to just explain that again? So we just don't skip over. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's a very important point. Yeah. So, so if you um, are an Israeli citizen who doesn't celebrate God on Saturday, but on Friday or Sunday, so you're a Muslim or a Christian, if you want to apply to rent a property within a new, uh, a new well-serviced suburb. That, or town that has you know running water and electricity and high-speed internet and all those wonderful things, when you go to rent the property, you will be met by the admission committee, who Human Rights Watch says their job is to... Filter ex- out. Filter out, to exclude Arabs from living in these Jewish communities. Mm. And this is in the democracy. This is within the, the, the Green Line in Israel proper. This is towards their own citizens. Uh, and of course, of course, one would would, would, would even give more and more examples of how the Arabs in Israel whether are the Palestinians I, ac- I actually don't want to adopt the term the, Palesti- the Israeli Arabs Mm-mm. they are no, Palestinians no. they are Palestinians absolutely the Palestinians and um, so r- real estate is one form of uh, discrimination uh, but also employment access to employment and you will say like the equivalent of Qantas in Israel is called El Al Airlines. Since their um, inception in the early 50s, they've never had, or maybe even, one, um, I don't know if they've ever had any Arab, uh, whether Sunni, I would say whether Muslim or Christian or Druze uh, staff for, for, for more than 60 years. They never employed an Arab. Well, so, so, so many, well, you know, one of the, the um, job application forms is, you know, what year did you serve in the IDF, mm. the Israeli Defense Force, you know, the occupation force, the Israeli terrorist uh, force. And obviously the Palestinians are not going to tick that box, never served. Mm. And so they can't get past mm. the first round. But I wonder even the ones who serve, like, for instance, the Negev uh, Bedouins, mm. uh, uh, those or, or, or some of the Druze, not all of them, I still think that even serving in the army uh, doesn't get you anywhere in no. El Al Airlines. No. Well, I don't know whether it gets you in El Al Airlines. It makes you just a traitor and Uncle Tom to tell you my mm. thoughts on the situation. Mm. I mean, you get to the point where um, uh, today, you know, we've got this sort of Orwellian thing. In the, and and e- even just this week, uh, as we know, a, a couple of things happened so very quickly. We had a law passed that stopped um, anyone who is advocating for boycott, divestment and sanctions, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment, could be denied entry into Israel. And they've made it a law, codified it. But in fact, for 69 years, it's been arbitrary. They'll decide who comes and when they come, regardless of where you were born or your father was born. But a couple of days ago, uh, when we talk about institutionalized apartheid in this allegedly democratic uh, uh, country, a Likud MP, who um, and he's a minister. His name is a minister uh, Zohar. He he's advocating now openly for a one state, and he said in this one state, uh, the West Bank, all of those Arabs will get full citizenship, and they can live within Israel, and they can enjoy its democracy, but they can't vote. 
Of mm. course. That, il- uh, that is unless they serve in the army. I mean, and then... How is this democracy? Or how is it democracy? But then he was challenged on the panel. This woman said to him, she goes, well, there's two and a half million of them in the West Bank. Mm. What if two and a half million of them join the army? What sort of army are we going to have? And he went, no, no, they won't join the army. It's okay. We'll just make it, you know, Judea and Samaria is part of Israel and it's one state. They're gonna, they can enjoy the country, but they can't vote. I mean, it's, it's, this, is, this, this, this is a guy who's a member of the Knesset. He's a minister. He's in the ruling Likud party. His prime minister, Likudnik, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, who was here, uh, Malcolm Turnbull. He was welcomed by welcomed. our uh, government and given the red carpet. Uh, unbelievable. And we get to the point, you know, where, um, and this is one of the things, you, it's beyond the pale, you know, where Israeli comedians, there's a guy called Asaf Harel who had a, um, a like a monologue, a bit like um, those American Yeah, guys. the Israeli comedian. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, and it's you can ca- catch it online and we'll pu- put it in the link for, for the podcast. Do you want to mention his name again? Asaf Harrell, but we'll put it in the podcast so our listeners can download it. Mm. And here's some quotes from him. And in his editorial, he says, Life is good in Israel. Sure, we're not earning what we want. Healthcare could be better and politicians could be a little bit less embarrassing and more impressive. But on all, all in all, things are good. Food is good. Beaches are good. Weather is good. But there's a few m- million people we are responsible for, and they are in a horrible state. Infrastructure, health, education, millions in poverty, Gaza on the verge of plague. He finishes with... Apartheid has been here for ages. It's just that we're on the good side, and this is the reality for the Israelis, for the for 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 the citizens, the good citizens of um, the state of Israel, those Jewish ones. For them, sitting on the other end of the the gun with the finger on the uh, trigger, looking through the scope, it's not apartheid over there. Hmm. Of course, they are at the receiving, uh, I would say, at the giving end of apartheid. Uh, you, you enjoy the benefits <laughs> and course. the luxuries well, it's a fast of line segregation. To the dr- it's a fast line to the drink fountain, Yusuf, you know, when you're, mm. in, the, when you're in the whites only line. Yep. And that's the only difference, yeah, is mm. that from afar, when we saw those taps, the imagery from the south of uh, the United States, you know, Georgia, and all those things we saw with uh, Martin Luther King and those, those mar- the freedom marches through to South Africa, there was the whites only door and the colored door mm. and so human beings said no well the door today just has a religious symbol on it is it a star of david a crescent or a cross and if it's a star of david you get the speedy lane mm. even even uh, in traffic lights in east jerusalem the roads that lead uh, from uh, palestinian territories to the shared areas uh, the wait period, the wait time, is longer on red <laughs> on red light than the ones leading from Jewish only areas. And there is actually a report uh, by Al Jazeera English on that, where the correspondent actually had taken measurements e- of the time, measurements of the time, and exactly uh, calculated the difference. So there is you cannot put boundaries to how far the Israelis would go in in implementing the segregation and the discrimination against Palestinians. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said these are the things that, you know, people, the violence of occupation we can see, yeah, a soldier with his gun and his battle fatigues, the, the rock throwing, the but apartheid. That's the observable. Walk. It's the, the insidious nature mm. and mm. the overwhelming uh, blanket, the heavy blanket of smog of pressure that is constantly pounded upon the Palestinian, whether you can move from this village to that village, who you can love, how you can get a travel document, 
If your mother is sick, can she get to that hospital? Can you visit her now that she's in that hospital? Mm. The, the checkpoints, the movement from your your house to your fields, your children back from their school. These are the, all the levels. You know, we talk about um, uh, um, apartheid and is it like apartheid in South Africa? And I've spoken about this a number of times and it's the, the real quandary for Zionists because they, they want all of the land of historic Palestine, river mm. to the sea. They want the land to be Jewish and they want it to be democratic. And they can't resolve this matrix, you know. They can be Jewish and democratic, but they can't have all the land. They can have all the land and be Jewish, but it can't be democratic. Or they can be democratic in all the land, but then it's not Jewish. The challenge is, how do they make all three fit? It just don't it's work. It's going to happen. And also, uh, it's, it's, it's Jewish towards its, uh, I would say, Israel is a democracy only to its Jewish citizens and is a Jewish state. Uh, towards its Arab citizens. Yusuf, as, as you know, it's particularly democratic if you're Ashkenazi, hmm. if you're a white Jew, if you're an Arab Jew. Let, look, um, George Galloway has, um, I think he was right when he said that the Palestinians in Israel are not second-class citizens. They're even fourth or yeah. even fifth-class citizens after the European Jews, the Eastern Jews, the uh, Russian Jews, the Falasha Jews. And then we get... Num- we get to be in number five. Top ten, though. Yeah, top ten. <laughs> yeah, so still a uh, f- uh, fifth-class citizen. Now, so you touched on love, and I was wondering if you could sort of explain in a layman's terms what happens when a Jerusalemite meets a Palestinian in the West Bank. Yeah, so we should talk about that challenge, but in fact, it isn't just a, a West Bank Palestinian to a Jerusalem Palestinian or to an Israeli Palestinian or to a Gazan Palestinian or to any other human outside of the land that Israel controls uh, entirely, the historic Palestine. You are classed by passport or, or how we, what, what we call it? How we Identity. Are, uh, ID. ID card. The color of that determines where you can live, whether it's blue, green, uh, and uh, yellow. East, or yellow, East Jerusalem, yeah. And if you're Gaza, good luck. So to, to, to the point of actually entering the bedroom, that's where the occupation goes. Because there are, you know, you can't help who you fall in love with, mm. and if you're you're a guy from the West Bank and you fall in love with a girl from Jerusalem, um, her children have to live with you, and if she leaves Jerusalem to live with her children, and the Israeli authorities deem that her life is outside of Jerusalem, she will be stripped of her Jerusalem identity. Mm. Um, I also want to give the valid example of my brother, my sister-in-law is um, a, a holder of an Israeli passport. She was born in Akka. She's lived all her life in uh, what they call proper Israel today. My brother is a holder of a Jordanian passport. And even though that the two countries have a peace treaty that allows and regulates uh, visas and flights, flights tourism, and tourism and elsewhere. Trade. And things we don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, when it comes to an Arab from, um, let's say, a Palestinian from Israel getting married to another uh, a person f- from elsewhere, there is a different rule and there is a different level of restrictions. And uh, it's obvious that they fear that the demography is going to change. But, but all that would be solved if your sister-in-law was just Jewish and your brother was Jewish because then they would ah, that would have been a joke. They would have satisfied the law of return, and it doesn't matter where they were or how Jewish let's, they let, were, they let, immediately get citizenship let's say an and everything's Australian, okay. An Australian Jew um, can online dating <laughs> uh, 
and within a few days they will be married. Well, Yusuf, I, I don't know what you think, but I reckon that pretty much defines separate. Yeah, mm. that's a pretty separate set of rules. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Um, how, how if, do people argue against it? What, what are the common arguments that, that you well, hear? Because well, you hear that apartheid, it's not like South Africa. This, the, the, it's not the same. And, and, and more sophisticated? Yeah, well, we know it as more sophisticated what? and because you know, it's not so easily differentiated based on color because you can't look at somebody and say their religion is yep. something where, where skin color is obviously identifiable. <clears throat> but over decades, scholars have highlighted the similarities and differences between South African apartheid and Israeli policies and practices. And it's certainly not the exact equivalence. But regardless, the similarities and differences, ultimately the policies of the Israeli state are like those of the South African regime, and they amount, as legally defined, to apartheid. It's, there is no question. I think it's, the question is not to establish a case of apartheid as much as they know it is apartheid and they don't care. Well, they don't care. The attitude yeah, yeah. Towards, atti- towards apartheid in Israel is not about uh, to prove to them that they have a, a system of apartheid in West Bank and in their own uh, state, because they know, but they don't care. And they, um, like Gideon Levy said, um, they really feel genuinely that they are different. The, mm-hmm. the term, the biblical term, the chosen people, isn't just on paper. It's in their psyche. It's in their psyche, and they really believe that they are the chosen people. And if you are not from their group, then whether or not you are at the receiving end of apartheid, that's not my problem. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things, uh, Rob, I was going to say, can you talk? You touched on the ID cards, the different colours, what you're allowed to mm. do, where you can go. Do you want to give us a, a little bit more of a an overview of how that works? Well, ID cards are. This is this is a game that Israel has played since the occupation um, to separate Jerusalem from the west from the rest of West Bank, because they had different plans. I mean, Jerusalem was and will always be part of the West Bank, um, but in '67, Israelis had plans to annex Jerusalem uh, to Israel. And they knew that there will be a day that we probably will see a Palestinian state on the rest of West Bank. So what they did is that they came up with a term, Greater Jerusalem Municipality. And they extended the boundaries of the city to include the neighboring towns and villages. And of course, it started in 48 because this today's West Jerusalem before 48, there was no such thing called East Jerusalem and West Jerusalem. The old city is still the old city, and all of it is in East Jerusalem. But what is today called West Jerusalem is the five villages to the west of the wall, of the old wall. Uh, one of them is Der Yassin, and they had to do a massacre to cleanse its people. You know the mm. massacre of Der Yassin. Mm. Another one is Ain Karim, and that's where Hadassah Hospital is, and Al Malha, and, uh, and Beit Mahsir, and the fifth one I can't recall now. So this is West Jerusalem. Now, to, to, to change the status of occupied P, 
people, not land, they came up with the ID issues. The people of Jerusalem will have this color. The other, uh, the people of other areas in West Bank will have a, will have another color. Now that doesn't mean that being in Jerusalem that you enjoy. Uh, the same level of treatment by the Israelis, like if you are a Jewish person living in Jerusalem. It's another level of separation. But this ID game is a very complicated game. They came up and they keep they keep um, ignoring uh, the ramifications of the difference, the differences between ID colors, because it is done on purpose to create more and further levels of separation. So one of the things that Israelis say is that it's not apartheid because Palestinians, you know, uh, uh, can vote and, and, you know, these sort of um, diversionary tactics. And it's but like obviously a, they, don't, they don't call them Palestinians. <coughs> no, they don't call them Palestinians. Yeah, sure. But it's important to understand that there's a de facto one state that exists between the, the Jordan and the Mediterranean. And within that territory, Israel rules over a separate people, people with their own identity that do not want to live under that sort of, um, under their, their rules. And when, when you start thinking about that and how Israel has connected and incorporated the West Bank into Israel proper and between the bypass roads, the, the IDs, the different colour number plates that Palestinians have to have over Israelis to identify them clearly to, to, to the army and, and security patrols allegedly, yeah, is, is the... Uh, the, the the other laws and you know we, we Adala is has a, an Arab uh, legal rights center says there are more than 50 laws that discriminate against Palestinian citizens and they affect everything from land ownership housing rights education education citizenship employment everything health and while Israel models itself as the only democracy in the Middle East and it's contrary to the wildly held perception here because they talk about this stuff so people start thinking it's like the United States or Canada or New Zealand Australia there's not even a single legal guarantee of equality. In January of 16, the Knesset voted against a draft bill calling for the inclusion of an equality law in the, in the basic law. Voted against it. And so, so while Palestinians of Israel can vote in parliamentary elections and they can theoretically become members of the Knesset or Supreme Court justices, none of that changes the documented discrimination. And that representation in the corridors of power and judiciary is extremely limited. So since 1948, there's been only two non-Jewish ministers out of more than 600. And there's only ever been one Arab judge on the Supreme Court. And Israeli policies of discrimination, state-sponsored racism, brutal repression is even harsher in the West Bank than it is in, in, in inside uh, Israel. And then even to that next level of the Palestinians inside the Gaza Strip, where the co- collective punishment siege uh, and the blockade is just brutal beyond anything. And then throw in every two or three years, they've got to come in and mow the lawn, the periodic massacres that the Israelis do into Gaza. And I think um, we're we're heading towards. Uh, I think we have come to the end of the show. Uh, oh, we've got so much more. We've got. We'll definitely come back to this uh, in future. But uh, I want to um, also highlight the issue that their definition of we're not in an apartheid. We eat hummus. We go to a falafel place in Yaffa. And we have uh, we listen to Farid Al-Atrash every Friday. Uh, this is the feel-good type of uh, practices that some Israelis do to make themselves believe that they feel are, better. F- feel better. Your finger is still on the trigger. It's apartheid, dummy. And that—that's what this is. This is basically what it is. And whether or not you listen to Arabic music or no, doesn't make you less of a murderer.
Yusuf, can I close with this? And and one of the things that we hear is, you know, from from Israeli supporters and Zionists is that we single out Israel. Well, the only people singling out Israel are the ones that are opposed to freedom and democracy and self-determination for the Palestinians. They're the people opposed to BDS. And the answer to the question, why Israel? It's because Israel violates 77 UN resolutions, more than any nation state in history. Israel has killed more than 1,500 Palestinian children in the past 10 years. Israel holds more than 5,000 political prisoners. Israel continues to build illegal settlements on Palestinian land. Israel has demolished almost 30,000 homes since 1967. Israel has expropriated 250,000 acres of land in the occupied territories and over 400 square kilometers of land from its own Arab Palestinian citizens. It has a Prower plan named after a Knesset member, which aims to displace tens of thousands of Palestinian Bedouins. And Israeli politicians boast and speak approvingly of ethnic cleansing. No amount of oppression in any part of the world absolves Israel of these crimes. They have to be held to account. And uh, with this strong and accurate statements, I also want to add just one thing, that among the thousands of prisoners held in Israeli prisons, we have around 100 women, uh, including uh, minor uh, girls in Israeli prisons. And this is uh, on the occasion of the International Women's Day that uh, the world celebrated uh, a few days ago. This being such an important um, subject that I think more people need to talk about, I'd like to continue this on next week if we can, um, because I know that there's a lot of untouched facts. You've blown me away with a lot of this. Um, I think I know it, but when you hear it spoken like that, it's barbaric, and I think we need to spend more time on it. Certainly, we will definitely get back to the concept of... uh it's not a concept. It's actually a reality. The reality of the apartheid. reality of apartheid. The, the made in Israel, uh, brand new apartheid in the twenty one uh, century. And, and if there's anyone out there that wants to sort of come in and, and have a chat, saying that it's not an apartheid, we welcome that. Absolutely, we, we'd, we'd love to have that conversation. Yeah, if you think Israel is not an apartheid state, give us a call. Call us on nine four one nine eight three double seven and uh, leave your details, and we will definitely call you, and you, you will be welcome uh, to uh, to basically present your ideas on this very same show that you're listening to. And, now. and you'll be safe. Well, Un- unlike yes, us, yes. unlike us in your democratic Israel.